Hi, this is Forrest Aguirre, and you're listening to Gaming and More BS Than You Can Stuff Into a Bag of Holding. Welcome to Gaming and BS episode 69, where we're going to be talking about Star Wars Edge of the Empire by Fantasy Flight Games. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Or for those of you joining us for the first time, I'm glad to have you here. Yeah. And happy 2016. Oh, hell yeah. That's right. That shit just happened, didn't it? (laughs) It did just happen like a day or two ago. Yeah. Sean, did you have a good New Year's? Um, it's just another weekend that's longer than the others to me. So Sean and Brett do not live in the exact same town. So we did not spend the new year's debauching together. We will do that a different time. That's what game hole is for. If there's communal debauching for us, it's game hole. That's our time. And I'm too old for new year's Eve rookie, rookie night. Yeah. There's something to be said about that. I actually went to, as Susan, I went out to my buddy Mike's place when the, uh, the head sales guy for Albion Swords. I know, Mike. Yeah, we're out at Mike's place and uh, played some cards against humanity. Sup, Mike? <clears throat> had a good, had a good time. <sighs> I think Mike, Mike's got me convinced I need to buy a scabbard now because oh, they started God. making some good hand-tooled scabbards. And the one, uh, the one long sword I bought from them, he's like, you know what? I've got this thing. He started showing me some pictures. I'm like, so goddamn it! I think we're gonna be in a couple hundred with him now. Wow. After I get my fucking iMac fixed. But hey, that's a different problem. Yeah, Brett's having some technical difficulties on his end. Lucky for me, though, my kids uh, my kids were the ones who ended up with my original iMac from 2009. So I just looked at the kids and said, hey, daddy needs to do a podcast. Rip. <laughs> Carried it in the office, set it up, and uh, loaded Skype, and here we are. So yeah, let's get into that, shall we? So announcements. Now, we posted this on Google+, Plus, Facebook, and Patreon. And so Brett and I have talked about 2016 and what we want to do in year two of gaming and BS. And to sum it up and without going into every little itsy bitsy detail, we've decided not to do live. Um, so we're unlive right now. We are recording Sunday night as typical, but we are using Skype again. And hopefully you'll hear Brett here or sound much better. Well, I went and, I mean, I got a new mic, so it's a cool mic. We've had some really good sound with it. And honestly, I think the sound we had when we did our live recording at Gamehole was better, you know, and we kept looking at the Blab piece. And when you're on the Blab, it sounds awesome. It's great. But the way Blab compressed the sound, just not so good. And, you know, we're still a podcast first and foremost, and we want to make sure we've got some quality sound going here because that's what, uh, well, if you can't listen to my uh, my incredibly soothing voice as you drive back and forth to work, I mean, what's what's the point, right? It's bedroom soothing. <laughs> so if, what Brett is referencing, if you haven't tuned in or you recently tuned in, Blab.im is a video chat format that allows a four-panel video at once. It's kind of like Google Hangouts, but only four people, and you can rotate people in very easily. You need a Twitter account. And so it did a lot of software compression or sound compression, I think, that really just... I sound I sound fabulous in a lot of shows. As always. Thank you, Brett. Uh, but that's because I'm recording on my end. So if, re- if it was flip-flopped, I may not sound as good, and Brett would sound better. But nonetheless, regardless, we were getting about maybe anywhere between five and, oh, I don't know, 
maybe 11 viewers on Sunday nights. That was the most we'd ever had was 11 at one point. And so we should say for those that are disappointed that we are not doing live on Sunday nights anymore, we, this is what we're going to do, Brett. We're going to refund their money. I like it. Right? I'll dig, I'll dig into the gaming BS coffers. I will, uh, <sighs> we might, will, uh, might have to, might have to forego some of the diamonds we sent over to misdirected Mark and cash a couple in ourselves just so, to, uh, cover the, cover the tab there. That's right. So if you've been charged for a ticket to our live show on Sunday nights, you got a refund coming. <laughs> so if we charged you nothing, you'll it, get that back twofold. It's in the mail. Um, it's in the mail. Now, the other piece, though, is we don't like one of the cool parts. Sean, and I, we debated on this for a while because we're masters at debating. Um, anyhow, we're master whoa. debaters. Hey, anyhow, what we wanted to do was guys still to, slow over there. I don't know what the hell stop. it is. Ah, damn. Come on, Romero. We've done Google, uh, Google Hangouts before for our listeners. And that was really cool. We've tried the blab thing. That was cool. So we are going to schedule some, um, I, th- I think if we do blabs or even hangouts, we might be able to record them depending what kind of topics we get, might put them on a bonus BS or something, but we do not want to lose that opportunity to schedule something out there. Get, get with the, uh, get with the listeners of people like to hang out with us and just, uh, bullshit a little bit and see what, uh, kind of see what's going on with folks. So that will, that still will be a thing. Yes, indeed. Um, we're still going to keep our release schedule is Tuesday at noon, haven't missed one yet for quite some time. Since we've gone steady Tuesdays, we we haven't missed one. So uh, you can continue to set your watch to that if you do. And if you don't, that's okay. It'll show up in your podcatcher and everything will be fine. Um. So for everybody who hung out with us in 2015, I really appreciate it. I know Sean does as well. Thank you very much for listening. We hope we can keep you guys interested as we go forward. Oh, we have a schedule too, don't we, dude? We have a schedule, quite comprehensive. Now, I haven't even looked at that. Uh, Brett, I we started it, and I said, Brett, this is what we should do. Brett's like, okay, fine. I made a few columns, made a little bit more interactive, so Brett and I can both kind of sign off on what we want to cover, and if everything's good to go, then super, it'll turn things green, and then if we have to move it, it'll turn it red. And so I had it up to a certain month, I think through March, and then yeah, I you said, got up through Mar- March, and then hunting season ended, and I went in with a fury and went, hey, bang, 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 I got up to May. So through May, we are booked. Now, the purpose of that is, one, we could tell you what's coming, right? Because that's what TV shows and radio shows can do, is they have stuff booked, and they can say, next week, tune in when we talk about this. So you can gain a little bit of anticipation, maybe some excitement around the next thing, or maybe some... Maybe some woes. I don't know. But it'll also allow us to schedule guests if we're going to have guests on the show. Um, Or maybe even arrange a perk or two. So say, for example, we're covering a particular game and we want to contact the game publisher and say, hey, you're listening to this episode. We're covering this game. And because of that, we've contacted the publisher and they're going to kick out a little discount for you if you're interested in picking it up and you haven't done so. I have not been successful yet. I have done it for one. We've asked. We've, we've asked. asked. We asked once. We were told, um, nope, talk to these other folks instead. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. You never know. So uh, so schedule, that was great. <clears throat> Schedule's very cool. The other thing is you, we want to hear more from you. So don't be bashful. Sometimes it's hard. We're going to try to make it as easy as possible. That's one of the things I want to do with our website, which I've, I'm in the middle of redoing. We want to hear about 
die rolls. If you want to submit die rolls, we want to hear emails from you. Um, we want to, we want to, we're part of the community. We want you to be a part of the community. Um, we don't care if you listen to other podcasts or anything, but you know, we want to make you more a part of gaming and BS in 2016. Um, so any way we can do that and facilitate it, we want you to do intros to the show and bumpers and voicemails. You got a a pet project you're working on. Um, you know, you get a little game, something that you've written or you're in the process of writing. You say, Hey, I could really use a little exposure. Could you get me on a die roll? Yeah, we could throw you a die roll, man. I mean, there's no reason not to get the link out there. And, uh, so we can, you know, have our other listeners take a look at it. Now here's what I'm going to, I'm going to add to that though, Brett. Yes. I, I don't. We've been solicited for Kickstarters and, and hey, pimp my product. And That's I re- true. This is the email. It reads, hey, love your podcast. Was wondering if you'd be interested in talking about my Kickstarter. Blah, 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 blah. So first of all, if it's a copy-paste, mail merge, mass kind of scattering. That shit ain't going to happen. Do do us a favor <laughs> and and just kind of acknowledge the fact that you're kind of addressing it to us, okay? Um, that go a little bit further. Now the D uh, was it the D sixty six guys, right? We mentioned them a few episodes. They solicited us and said, and and they contacted me. They uh, and it was like, hey, gaming and BS, Brett and Sean, you know, love your podcast. Frankly, I don't know if they even listened to it, but they were saying, hey. It was really nice, very personal. They got, they very said, personal. hey, we listened to you. We want to do this thing. Could you help lend a hand? We're Great going, stuff. We're, we will pay it back tenfold. That was their words. And even before we pimped their Kickstarter, they were retweeting a lot of our episodes. They were like, retweet. They were partaking in some of the community discussion. So to me, they were doing it already up front. And I'm like, yep, we kind of owe these guys. They've proven that they are going to do that. Absolutely. But I I don't want to say that that's the only way we roll, but I mean, it's kind of like, Hey, um, well, it's like anything else, right? You you get that, you get that, um, the bulk email and you're like, okay, it, it turns you off. Yeah. So, I mean, the other piece now we, we've got listeners who are fans of the show. We've got folks on Patreon. We have folks who are uh, regular writers, uh, into the show and whatever. I mean, if I see something from one of those folks, I mean, if Roger Braslett says, Hey, here's a really cool thing. It's Roger, for God's sakes. Right. It's probably really cool. Now, that, again, if you've not written into the show before, that doesn't mean no cred, right? But um, when Roger points on a project or one of the other listeners out there points out a project, hey, you guys listen to us? Yeah, your opinion matters. I think that's where we're going here. Right. I think you understand where we're coming from, and I, I don't mean to be kind of snooty about it, but it, it just is kind of weird when you get solicited for something and it's kind of like... It's just not personable. It's really kind of not, there is no connection there. You really don't listen to us. It's Sean's a recruiter by trade, trying uh, to recruit him in any way and using a shitty approach and backfire every time. Anyways. Are we um, good there, man? Um, what else? I think that's pretty much about it. Yeah, we did the survey. So I didn't mention about the survey. So the survey has been running. I think we haven't pimped it a lot lately. We had probably 20. 29-ish, 28 or something replies, which isn't a ton. But That's right, though. That's not bad. That's way better. I mean, I thought maybe one person would do it, and it'd probably be Brett. Thanks for doing that, Brett. Hey, hey, hey. Anything I can do. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to pay more attention. No. <laughs> we're going to put out the results here in the next week or so, so I'll have to put that down on my, my schedule. Uh, so 
one thing that we're interested in in seeing is we'll we'll post the results. Uh, we'll still keep it up there if you haven't done the survey. Um, one of the things though we took to heart was kind of the sound quality and me being more engaged. Um, and hopefully you've noticed an actual change because I think it's only fair that if we ask you for feedback, we take it and actually do something with it. Fair enough. Even though I may not agree with it all the time. <laughs> Whatever. No, that's good. It's um, all good, man. What else? Anything else? That's it for, for 2016 for the show, I think. Yeah. The only thing I wanted to do from an announcement perspective, uh, over the holidays, I, um, my family and I, I'm not huge on, I'm the dad, so I don't get a lot of presents. My wife and I don't exchange gifts. It's not a big deal. I don't want to do that. Our thing is make sure the kids get stuff they're taken care of. Every once in a while, Susan and I will, buy, Susan and I will buy other something. You know, hey, I know you want this thing. So, Hey, Susan is his wife. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so what we'll do is, no, it's just a random person. Yeah, it's my wife. <laughs> no, don't, it's just, it's, oh, good God, I just got myself in trouble. Anyway, um, <laughs> point is, is uh, I went through and I picked up a couple things recently into 2016. I haven't read them all yet. I read one of them, but I've not read the others quite yet. What the hell, man? We're like in day three of 2016. You haven't read it at all yet? I know. I got to get off my ass. I picked up Mutant City Blues, uh, Pilgrim Press. That is one of Robin Law's gumshoe games. Um, pretty cool. I grabbed the hardcover of that. Why? Um, Why? 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 Because I wanted to, um, I want to redo my Murder City campaign. And uh, the concept, <clears throat> it's very investigative. And the way Gumshoe handles investigation, I love it, love it, love it. And the Mutant City Blues is a um, kind of a street-level um, police procedural around mutants, i.e. superheroes, and the powers and so forth that go with it. And with my Murder City setting, it just really, really fits very well. And I wanted to grab a hold of that. And I'm a Gumshoe junkie. I loved it. So gives me more info, more powers. I think I can actually tweak the powers to turn into spells for a different idea I have later on. So it's got some really cool stuff in it. I also picked up the following two just in a PDF format. I've yet to um, I've yet to read through them. Astonishing Swordsmen and, and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. I've uh, followed these guys on Facebook for a while. I don't notice them have a large Google Plus presence. I could be just not searching the right things. But OSR style game. Take a look at it. And Beyond the Wall, uh, FlatlandGames.com. Um, <clears throat> the other one was uh, hyperborea.tv um, with sor- Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerer. Links in the show notes. Absolutely. But Beyond the Wall, um, one of the guys I follow on the old Google Plusage here um, was talking about it, and he put up this really kick-ass picture. I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell is that from? It was uh, Jason uh, Blaylock. Jason Blaylock posted this up. Like, oh, my God, what's that game? This image just looks great. He goes, dude, it's. It's beyond the wall. I'm like, oh, fuck, I've seen that before. Where is it? Boom, a couple guys gave me links. So I went and so done. Boom, bought it. The cool thing to me, these are all on DriveThruRPG. The cool thing about this type of thing is that when you see a cool game like this, like, oh, I wonder if DriveThru has it. Oh, the PDF is reasonably priced. Sure, I'll grab it. It doesn't eat up any shelf space. Just takes up a little couple bits and bytes in the old hard drive. Eh, it was worth it to me. So once I've done reading them, Sean, I'll come back to you and tell you how much I liked or did not like them. Did you get any cool game stuff? I uh, I did not. I got a butt butt ton of gifts gift, gift cards from Amazon, so I guess I could use that there. But you know, Brett, I just I don't. I think I'm kind of set for a little while on the old RPG front. We've talked about that before, right? The whole quest for the perfect. Well, you know? I mean, if you want me to shit can the Star Wars game already, I'm willing to go shopping around. We're gonna find out after this episode. Oh. <laughs> Brett, you, you silly monkey. 
All right. So, That's all I had there. Yes. So if you're interested in any of those games, um, be feel free to use our uh, gaming NBS affiliate link at drive through. That's at gamingnbs.com forward slash drive through. That's T H R U. And it'll take you to drive through and use our affiliate link. And we get a little kickback. And if we get tons of kickback, maybe, maybe we'll throw it in a little contest, uh, maybe buy a prize or something. I think we'd have to. All right. Let's get in. Uh, so I answered my question. Let's get in a random encounter. Do it. Random encounter element of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media, um, from our listeners. Uh, I will open up the first one, I guess. Do it. It's all you, baby. Disemvowel. He's the Savage Worlds buddy nutty. He's written in before. He's commented on our YouTube on episode 65 regarding generic game systems. Link in the show notes to see his actual comment. So I've watched Disemvow on the on the uh, Sin City Savages. They're another podcast. So if you want Savage World goodness, go to Savage Bloggers Network with Christian Serrano. Absolutely. Um, and uh, otherwise, go to Sin City Savages. Those guys are, are top-notch, too. So he says, late to the party, but where you miss the mark. And this goes for all gamers who are generalists, vice specialists, with a system such as Savage World's is that it can be as pulp or pulp-free as you like. So you can have it with orange juice, extra pulp, or no pulp. Don't even have to run it through a cheesecloth. I like this. <laughs> Continue on. I'm in. All right. Uh, with this, okay. Uh, setting rules are baked into the core rules. Grim and gritty and blood and guts dial the non-pulp uber lethality up. Savage Worlds is quite possibly the ultimate generic system in function, form, and playability. Damn, that sounds like a gauntlet being dropped. Holy, I felt the smack across my cheek from here. Ooh. All right, disemvowel, I gotcha. Preach on, brother. I direct the curious, naive, or naysayers to our show on Sin City Savages. We covered the topic multiple times. Great show, you tongue-tied bastards. <laughs> nice. I'm going to have to check that out. He's, I have not. I've yet disemboweled. to He is. He tells it like it is, though. If you're on, if you if you ever watched the show, yeah. no holds barred with disemboweled. He he puts I it out there. Yeah. I can get into that. Yeah. Now I got. I mean, I've yet to become a savage convert, and I've got some of the guys in my gaming group, and Sean has run it and played it. Be like, oh, it's fun! It's fun! It's fun! I haven't had a good time with it yet, and I need to. I've said this before. I need to play some of these games with somebody who knows the game. You know. And then I'll probably go through and go, oh, wow, this game is freaking awesome. I should fucking be doing this. Why am I doing this? So, hmm. Gauntlet drop by Disemvowel. We shall see. We shall see. Yeah, there shall you I go. Move on to the next one. By all means. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tony Baker comments on G Plus community. I'd like to hear your opinion on class versus classless RPGs. I think he's saying we have no class, Sean. Um, one of the biggest barriers to me with traditional fantasy is the strict raw classes. How, rules uh, as written classes. Rules as written, sorry. Yeah. My apologies. Yep. I always say wrong. Yep. Um, how do you work around the dense rules of D&D slash Pathfinder? Do you prefer class-based systems or classless? So um, before, you answer, before you answer this question, Brett, are we going to make this a show topic? Is this got to be a show topic. We can't go too deep right now. Is it in the notes? Is it in the schedule? It is in the schedule. It is? It is. I told you it was. Oh, well, in, in that fact, case. 
it may very well be. All right, thanks for writing in, Tony. Appreciate the email. Uh, Stay tuned as we address that in length. Yes. Well, we should should probably (laughs) throw throw him a bone. We just got done talking about how we want people to email us, and we're just like, yep, thanks. We'll put that on the (laughs) – This is is one that – we've done this before, right? When a listener comes in with something like this, I'm like, you know what? This is really cool. Roger Braslitz, another – I mentioned his name before. Um, He has hit me up with – Is that guy paying you something or – I No, no. Three times you mentioned his name. Warhammer first edition buddies, so – he sets me up, and we, I got to help a brother out. Right. But one of the things that he and I were chatting at about Game Hole was the concept of kind of um, uh, what I want to do, uh, contested die rolls in game systems and stuff. And I've been doing some more research on that. I've got another uh, topic in the in our list there for, for, for this year, for 2016, about contested die rolls. But that's a little bit later on. I need to do a little bit more research. But uh, Tony Bakers, I think we've uh, – you and I have chatted about this one before a little bit. I think it's time to dig deep. Yeah, so I agree. So, Tony, stay tuned. We're going to use your question as a topic for the show. And Brett will have to make note to, to, to let everybody know that Tony Tony told us to talk about it. Absolutely. Well, say that a few times fast. Tony told us to talk about it. All right. Thanks, Tony, for writing in. Thanks, Disembowel. Next. Episode 68. So a few comments on episode 68. Starting off... With our friend, one of two, one of two, one of three, actually. Let's not forget about Bob. We do have three. Chris Nizak. Awesome. Misdirected Mark. I think the best, let me see if I can do, can you do Chris's voice? I can't do a Chris voice. Chris tries a Brett voice and Sean, I can't, I can't. How do I do Chris's voice? Let me see if I can pull this off. I don't know if I can. (laughs) You can't just read it. Like, we like Chris and Phil. Let's not, let's not completely insult them. Hey, he, they like us. They make fun of you. I, well, I, yeah, but <laughs> just read it. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I think the I think the best thing about gaming is BS, and the thing that makes it unique is the way Brett B. and Sean Kelly attack the topic in this rambling, not particularly organized way. I can hear the points being made and some of the ideas that were thought of before the topic started, but because of how the conversation flows and feels only partially structured and the chemistry Brett and Sean have, the tone in gaming and BS sound is unique. What I I realized, that's what I love about this show. Uh, It's what makes it different from other shows out there, Phil, and I hope you two just keep doing that. It's like, do a little research, pick a starting point, have three or or four points of interest to hit along the way and go. What happens after that is what happens after that. Great stuff, and I'm looking forward to more of it in 2016. That was very nice, Mr. Sneezak. It was very nice. Much appreciated. You know, that's, um, Sean, I've said this before, that's kind of, uh, that's what we were going for, and I'm glad I'm gr- glad Chris was able to put a finer point or description on it. And Sean and I have our, our rather crass descriptions. Look, we're just two idiots BSing about games. Ho- hope you like it. Um, we're trying to put some more structure on it than that, clearly. No academia over here. No. You want Next? To, yeah, Sean, man. Fun? Yeah. Again, Mr. Sneezak <laughs> and Mr. Phil over at Mr. Directing Mark. Thank you, boys. I appreciate the partnership, and we'll... We'll keep it going. We'll keep it going. Yeah, this listen year. to those guys over there if you haven't <clears throat> Absolutely. already. All right, Matt Martinez comments. There's <clears throat> a little bit of a holdover from episode 67. I was almost said 27. Good God. But in reference to something said on that particular episode, I disagree with the idea of using Osric or first edition D&D. 
uh, to teach the system to new players. One of my biggest issues is the use of descending AC, which makes zero sense. Seriously, anyone can explain to me how descending AC makes more sense than ascending AC without resorting to, quote, because that's the way I learned it, unquote, argument. It's like how a lot of players are freaking out over common core math because it's different than the rote memorization and multiplication tables they learned without stopping to, th- to think whether or not the concepts are valid. Yeah, hey, I don't Personally. know. I don't know about any of that other shit, but I agree I with them. I got a bunch of kids at school. I know exactly <laughs> what he's talking about. All right. Personally, he, Matt continues with personally, I would use 5e to teach an adult, but I'd probably go a swords and wizardry white box for a younger player. While it uses descending AC by default, it has the option of ascending AC. I'm also waiting to see what Crips and Things Remastered has to offer because I really like the concepts of its magic and its skill system. Rather than having a mess of skills associated attributes, PCs have a skill check value that operates similarly to a saving throw. The value of that skill check decreases as the character gains levels, thereby making it easier for them to accomplish these checks. Matt, um, Matt, this is a comment he put out on Google+. I had um, I responded to it there, and I'll kind of speak to it a little bit here. Um, for me, the reason the Osric and the descending AC is not an issue for me is because <clears throat> when I teach it, it's on the character sheet. There's a chart on the sheet that says like negative 10 to positive 10, and for armor classes, and then right underneath it are the number you need to roll. So whenever someone says, what do I have to roll to hit it? I say, it has an armor class of, <clears throat> you need to hit an armor class negative two. They look on the chart, boom, they need a whatever. They're like, okay, it's never been an issue. See, the, the <laughs> we, we went around to, on this in that episode, and I agree with Matt. Matt, I'm totally on board with you, man. That, that AC is all bullshit. And Brett makes it simpler, no question. I, I agree with his rationale, his logic, and just like, hey, you just... But the thing that Brett is overlooking is that... The concept is crap? <laughs> no, no. Well, you have to look it up. You have to look on your sheet, and Brett has to tell you. And he could just say a number. That is a good point. You know, quite honestly, what you just said there, I had not thought about before. So, that... Ten. Hey, you need to roll 12. Oh, wow, shit, it's a 12. Everybody oh, no, no, no. It's a 13. You need to hit an armor class... Well, actually, an armor class minus two... Oh, and hold on a second. It's slightly different for the thief than the fighter, than the mage, than the this, than that. It is. This way, everybody has the same to hit number. Okay. All right. All right. That might that might flip me a little bit. He, you you know the system well enough, and that's cool. But I I think I, that might be you know, and I think I've I think I mentioned this in sixty seven, but partly to me in teaching something, I want to know it like the back of my hand, and that could be just a holdover. Could be. Could be. Could be. All right, Martinez, you win this round. We'll convince, uh, we'll convince Brett that. I think you already, I think you already have. <laughs> while it's a good way, and he, the way he does it is very presentable and easily to, easy to follow. It still, it's, and I don't blame Brett. I blame that effed up system. It's effed up, man. I didn't. All right, all right. Easy, makes, easy, I'm easy, sorry, easy. I get riled up. Oh, a freaking minus ten armor class. Well, what the hell do I need to hit this guy? It would make no sense to somebody that's just starting out in MP or, uh, P, in RPGs. None. All right. All right. Next one. Read on. Austin. This guy, man. He's, I don't know why he's not putting out any books. His <laughs> wisdom he bestows upon us is beyond his years. Let me tell you. Austin's, Austin's a good gamer, man. You know, there's a good section about this. So he's writing about us and episode 68 where we're talking about ending the campaign. Correct. So he says there's a good section about this book in this book you guys may have heard of called odyssey Odyssey. i forget some of the details of who is involved in that book though 
Yeah. Well, let us doesn't... refresh Austin. Uh, Austin, that's uh, Phil Vecchione was involved in that book. He's one of the hosts over at Misdirected Mark. Not sure you were aware of that. He's actually <laughs> also a contributor to Gnome Stew, which is a pretty <clears throat> Uh, pretty good blog. Um, he's one, one of the, the founders of Encoded Designs, and they just uh, they had a very successful Kickstarter called uh, Part Time Gods of Fate, if I'm not. And they also have a Kickstarter that they're doing as well, right? Releasing an NPC. Absolutely. So, in case you didn't know that, Austin, we're just letting <clears> you know, kind of. So that would be who you're referring to in Odyssey. Yep, I got a copy of that myself. Thanks for referencing that. Part of an accidental trilogy, if I remember correctly. Accidental trilogy is sometimes what it is referenced as. Just give me shit, Austin. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about, Brett. Moving on. I mean, I'm trying to enlighten the lad. All right. Keep going. I also, he continues, I also just want to also point out the corollary. Wow, that's a big word. To the thing Brett mentioned about, quote, it's always going to be a happy ending, end quote. Is that this applies just as much to the game master whose games all end on a sad or pessimistic note? I'd say in general, no ending should ever end up utterly despair-filled or sugar-coated, except in very rare extreme cases, since it devalues the successes and failures of the characters respectively. Austin had put this up on Google+, and he and I had a really nice back and forth around this. And um, I do agree, I uh, gave him a little crap about um, about the always going to peace, but... Um, He's got a he's got a perspective there, right? Is that I had used the example of always happy ending when I was giving Sean some shit, but the the point is that if you always have a certain type of ending, it can get overdone, like many things in RPGs can. Um, I take I disagree with the despair filled or sugar coated, depending on the type of game that you're playing. If you're playing a very traditional Call of Cthulhu game, sometimes despair. I've run many horror themed games like that, especially with Call of Cthulhu, where people fuck up, it doesn't work. Everything goes pear-shaped, and it's over. Y'all are dead. The world ends. Whatever it is. Total despair. It absolutely highlights the the failure and lack of success of the players. Like, hey, y'all fucked this up pretty bad. Now, again, though, that is an agreement that the players and I have that, hey, this is the type of game we're playing. This is how it's going to go. This is the type of possibilities that we have for how this game might end. Um, Again, and and Austin and I I believe we kind of came to an agreement on that, like, you know, it's it's cool to have these different ways to go or whatever. If Austin is playing a game, I say, hey, I'm going to play a very hardcore, um, again, I'll pick on Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu with the potential for the entire world to go pear-shaped. Failures cause catastrophic everything, and it's your fault that the world ended. And Austin could very well look at me and say, you know what? It's not my type of game. I don't really enjoy that. I'll sit this one out. <clears throat> and I think that's legitimate um, back and forth for you and your players to have when it comes to style and how you want to do things. Cool. It's good stuff. Yeah. Thanks for writing in, Austin. And Absolutely, and man. Thanks for highlighting Odyssey. If you haven't gotten that book, by all means, feel free to go out there and grab it for sure. It's a damn good book. Engine Publishing puts that up, by the way. Engine Publishing. No, yes. it's publication arm. Right. Get it on drive-thru. Just use our uh, affiliate link. Excellent. Yeah. One more. What's next? One more. Oh, this one's mine. Mark Dawson. Hey, BNS. Hope you're not getting sick of my comments yet, Dawson. Hell never, no. Never, 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 never. I'm glad my previous email was able to inspire a moment of conversation during the last episode. Sean's question of, quote, what game system would you choose to teach a newcomer about role-playing, unquote, and Brett's choice of D&D because of his knowledgeable grasp of the rules confirmed my own thoughts. 
D&D, haha, one for me. Oh, that's my side there. Um, <laughs> Mark goes on to say, D&D reminds, uh, remains, excuse me, the most popular RPG because of its exposure. Brett seems most comfortable with the system because it's the game he first learned when jumping into the hobby, just like the majority of us. I still question if it's an ideal game for beginners, but it remains the go-to game due to familiarity. I've had the desire to partake in more gaming recently, perhaps via the interwebs, if not in person. Um, but it seems most people are playing 5e these days, and I've had no experience with it. Um, I feel intimidated by the sheer size of the rule books and lack of time to learn this newest iteration of rules. I would want to go thoroughly through the rules in order to spare my fellow gamers the frustration and hassle of explanations during play. For this reason, I don't game as often as I might like. Anywho, regarding the main topic, uh, regarding excuse me, the main topic of the last episode, I found that any type of ending, regardless of how anticlimactic it might be, is better than no ending for at all for a campaign. It's a huge bummer when a long-running campaign simply fizzles out on a cliffhanger and characters left in limbo with absolutely no resolution. Boo, I say, boo. Looking forward to the improvements of the plans uh, for the podcast in 2016. Good game and all. So uh, in, I want to address his 5e hesitation, reluctance, fear. Mark, man, it's easy. If you can read, the player's handbook is the only rule book you need to read. That's yes. it. Yeah. It if is, you can read that, you're good. Look, everything is okay. Armor class is, hasn't changed as far as like from three O D twenty days. Um, saves are more ability based. You know, if you've got a particular proficiency, it gives the players a bonus. But literally, it's it's pretty slim lined. I mean, don't be afraid by the size of the book, just because it's not as thin as the original first edition AD and D. So here's here's what I'll here's how I'll kind of put this out there. First edition AD&D, while the book is thinner, is definitely more complex than the 5e, which is bigger. Because you don't have to read all the 5e book, actually, to have it. 5e is laid, laid out better. It flows as, as a learning experience better. I mean, we you have editors and better concepts of how you should lay books out and all that stuff in general. You don't have to read all the spells. Like the first chunk, the first half of the book, that's all you really need to read. Advantage, you know? disadvantage. Yeah. Straight roll. I mean, those are kind of the nuts and bolts. Like, I'm not a big rules guy. I'm really not. And I think that's one of my shortcomings as a GM or DM. But one, uh, just, just one. Well, I, <laughs> one that we're referring to right now, Brett. Um, I don't have time for the rest of it. Yeah. Anyways, don't, don't, I mean, it's good. It's, you'll, it's easy to learn. We could show you in like an hour. The other thing to do if you're going to play online, yeah. um, it's kind of like going to a con. If you've never played a game, you want to find one, you look for one that's like okay for beginners. Or if you're going to play online with some folks, say, hey, I've not played before. I might have some stupid questions. Is that okay? And, you know, <laughs> if the group goes, yeah, it's totally fine. You get in there and find out they're not, you know, fuck them. That was their, <laughs> they said it was okay. They lied. You know, that's crap. But there are folks out there um, running those type of games. They're like, hey, sure, I'll, I'll teach. I'll, that's fine. We can walk through this. Um, it's not that big a deal, and I guess don't let the uh, don't let D and D five e scare you. I would find that game a hell of a lot quicker to digest than a GURPS or some of the other game systems out or there. Or first edition AD and D, hell, At, even three o. Yeah. yeah. Oh fuck yeah, It'd be a lot easier in Pathfinder. All right. Yeah, just write in. We'll tell you what the deal is. We should probably do one on D and D. Not everybody's playing five e, Brett. What? No. Right. Yes, you're right. You're right. We should. All right. Thanks for writing in, everybody. Thank you. Including MD, Mark. All right, let's get into the topic. (laughs) 
All right. So today we're talking about Star Wars Edge of the Empire, which I am currently running. And I'm playing in. And Brett's playing in. With Austin, Kevin, Jim, and Steve. That's right. Very good, Brett. Remember it, everybody. I did. I would have left one out anyway. Oh. I can't can't leave Kevin out. I just can't leave Kevin out. No. So I got a feeling I'm going to contribute a little bit more to this episode than you are, Mr. You have read, run, and played this game a hell of a lot more than I have. That does not mean that I'm a really great, like I said, rules for me is a challenge. I always rely on one one rules lawyer in the group um, and, and because I want to make sure that, so Brad is a type of guy where it's like, if it's run it quick and fast, which is cool. And I totally respect me. If I don't know the rule. I have the rules lawyer pick it up and let me know simply because it allows me to learn the system better. Like I, I can read it, but I absorb it better when I'm actually running it or playing it. And and you're redoing, you're repeating stuff over and over. Otherwise, it's, it's it sucks. Like if I played once a month on a rule system and I didn't really absorb it all, I'd be SOL. I would just never get into the rule set. Having said that. Well, you want to get the rule set to a point where it is background noise. Right. It interacts. We talked about this at one point when someone was complaining. I can't remember the episode, but we had a couple of good back and forths from our listeners again. It was about a gentleman who was complaining about fate, right? Yes. <clears throat> Learning fate. Going, oh, it feels metagame. It feels this. It feels that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And one of my arguments has been that I got to play, as I said earlier this episode, Savage Worlds. I got to play it with somebody who knows it so I can get past my barrier of the rules are in my way. I haven't been able to take Savage Worlds and get the rules to the background noise level, which is where I want them. When I play 5e now, 5e rules are background noise. It just goes. And that's what I want. And what we've started doing with the Edge of the Empire bit was got our characters made. I actually jobbed mine out. With <laughs> hunting season, <clears throat> I did not have time to make a character, so full disclosure, I contacted Jim, who was homesick one day. I said, Jim, babe, make me a character. He said, okay, <laughs> he made me a character. So, and, which is really nice of him. And to premise, preface this, Jim is kind of getting on the Star Wars wagon, not that he, he has never been before, but because of the release of the movie, which we launched the campaign probably two, like a month before the yes, release of the month, movie. About a month before, yep. And when Jim was like getting the Star Wars creation kicked in, I mean, he made his own character and then he made... Four more and Four posted more. them. I'm like the guy's on a roll. Yeah. I, I I have no time to do this right now between hunting trips. Could you do this for me? He built me my character, <clears throat> which is totally fine. It was fun. Um, and part of it for me was I I looked at it and uh, I knew Sean was going to give me a little shit. And over lunch one day he's like, "Dude, the fuck!" And I told, and I think Jim was sitting with us. And I said, "The cool part for me is that it feels like a con game intro. Like here, you're going to learn the game. Here's a guy." So I'm reading through it. <clears throat> now, granted, I didn't build the character. So I lost a bit of the, as you build a character, you learn the rules as you build a character. So I lost that component of it. It was very crash into the rule system. Um, you, didn't Sean, the, you didn't have the rule book for like the first two sessions. <laughs> no, no, I did not. I freak this guy. I don't I know. even know. I can't even believe we're going to be talking about this with you right now. I've read it. I've read it since. Um, so the cool part though is Have that you read the whole book? Not the entire book. I read enough of the rules so, so I can- the reason it. I asked that and was would be surprised because I'm holding the book in my hand right now. And and if you haven't seen the book, um, I can tell you right now I'm at I'll, I'll be I'll say I'm at the beginning of the index and that's four page four thirty eight is where the index starts. So it's it is not. Uh, There's a lot of fluff. 
There is a lot of fluff, but there is a lot to the game itself too. But anyways, so you've read it, which is good, yep. or some of it. Yep. So the cool part though is that we started off saying, okay, characters together, how are we going to do this? We did some social interactions, messed with the dice a little bit, system this, system that, a touch. And we didn't jump into anything heavy like combat until this last episode. Which was clunky as hell. <clears throat> Which was fine, though, because it was clunky for everybody. We yes. came in there and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And the first bit, we mastered, at least not mastered, but we had good experience with how we should run the social interactions, the skill sets to do this. I want to try to mechanics roll to do that. I want to try to do this. So that shit was done. So we actually hit combat, and we wanted to mix and match some of Brett's mechanical skills. My guy's a mechanic, right, on the ship. So I want to Was that a question or? No, it is. It's a statement. <laughs> Flat. He's a mechanic on the ship. God damn it. Um, so when he wanted to mix in, hey, I want to do this check. I want to do that. I knew what that was all about. <clears throat> so in the middle of combat, if I want to add in something about my guy, I'm not worried about my mechanic stuff, all my social interactions, that that those pieces. I'm only worried about the very hardcore shoot him in the face mechanic. That was the only component I was really worried about. So where, where are we going to start with this, Brad? You've got some things. I'd like down you to. Out. I'd like you to lay out the funky dice. Tell us you about. I want to go straight to the funky dice. <clears throat> I want to go right to funky dice because honestly, this is one when I've I did some research online prior to the show, and one of the major complaints I saw, apart from the fact that you can't play all of Star Wars, quote unquote, without all of the different variations of this book, of this system. There's Edge of the Empire plus 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 in order to get from smugglers to Jedi. You have a series of books you have to buy. Well, so what Brett is referring to is that Fantasy Flight Games has released three different games, essentially. Star Wars Edge, Star Wars Edge of the Empire, Star Wars uh, Age of Rebellion, and Star Wars Force and Destiny. So those are the three books out right now, and each one is separate. I mean, you can pick one up and just play that. Now, having said that, all the dice mechanic go from one to the other. There are a couple of things that are that change from each one. So we start but out. Want the rule? If you want to sit down and play Star Wars, yeah, with Jedi and all that stuff, right? You have to buy how many books? <laughs> how many books? Well, I guess you. I guess you could have to buy three. Three books, uh, sixty bucks a piece, at least. Okay, sixty bucks a piece. So you're looking at a two hundred plus dollar investment. To play Star Wars completely. Well, yeah. Yeah, you are. Okay, man. But yeah. It, so that Star so, Wars has never been a cheap property. No. I, I Even totally at Watsi, totally, when they had Saga, I mean, they're talking like totally 35 bucks, a, uh, 40 bucks a book or whatever. I get it. However, I just think that it needs to be made clear because apart from the funky yes. dice, yes. The, the sheer cost of entry to play, quote unquote, all of Star Wars I need a $200 bill plus the investment in the funky dice. Nobody is telling any of my players that they need all three books. No, they're not because you're very specifically running edge of the empire. Right. However, if you wanted yes. to, if you said, Hey, I really want to run star Wars with all the goods and bits and bobs with the system, you were at your $240 in. Yes. I would say that is definitely something that you should be aware of if you're looking to get into star Wars. So dice and how they're used. This is the funky dice and specialty dice. Yep. And the different ways that they're that they work. Go. So all right. So there is bear with me as I explain all this. There are D8s, two types of D8s. One is purple and one is green. Okay. 
The purple one is difficulty dice, and the green is ability dice. Okay, so D8s. Now, as I say these, there's going to be a kind of a in favor for player, or like the player side, and then there's going to be the GM side. So when it comes to the D8s, the purple is the GM side, and then the green is the player side. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is that the players will be beneficial for green, the GM will fall uh, in his favor or her favor with the purple. Because okay. it's a die, it is a dice pool mechanic. It is a dice pool. Yes, we should say it is a dice pool mechanic. So we're, we're, we're building a handful of different colored and different sided dice in order to get our results. Typical dice pools range from five to eight dice. All right, so I will continue. So there's D8s, and they have funky symbols on them to determine what, what those are, and we'll get into that in a, in a second. So then there's D6s. There's two of them, a black one and a baby blue one. Black is a setback die, and the blue is a boost die. All right, and it's got funky symbols on it. The black is obviously setback. Again, GM, baby blue, in favor of the players. D12s, there's two, red and yellow. Red is a challenge die, and yellow is a proficiency die. Again, red in favor of the GM, since it's challenge, yellow, proficiency die, in favor of the player. So from a green to yellow perspective, think about this. If you're really good at something, you might have a couple green dice in a pool. If you have a yellow, that means that, hey, you're not only really good at that, but you're incredibly proficient at it. That's kind of the, the step up. That's correct. Instead of, instead of saying like in a Pathfinder parlance where you're like, oh, I have plus five on that roll. No, I have a D12 in my die pool. Correct. So there is an upgrade and a downgrade to these dice. So if you upgrade a green, it goes to yellow, which is a D12, right? If you downgrade a yellow, it would go down to a green. If you downgrade a green and there is no more green, it's just green. Otherwise, I think it takes green away. Um, All right. So we got purple, green, black, blue, red, yellow. What else? Force die. So force die, I guess I misspoke. There is an actual another D12 and that's the and that's the force die. That's a white die. It's right. got pips on it, black and white pips. Um, and the black and white pips indicate light side or dark side. So what happens with that die, I could go into a little bit more detail, but since we're talking about it quick, you every player will roll this die at the beginning of the session, and that will determine how many light side points there are and dark side points. So light side points and dark side points, one of the pieces that it threw me off a bit at first. I wasn't positive how to utilize them. Then I started reading up on it again. Durr, got the rules. Um, <laughs> the cool part about it is that I think about it like fate points or um, or bennies, that type of thing. It's this. It's kind of a communal set. Now there's dark for the game master and light for the players. And if I use one, if I use a light, it flips to a dark. If he uses a dark, it flips to a light. Correct. So you, you kind of push them back and forth, and there's different things you can do with them. Correct. And it, and the force die, which is has not come into play, can also be used for force-sensitive users. So force-sensitive users are in Edge of the Empire. You can play a force-sensitive person, player. It states pretty specific, I shouldn't say specific, well, specifically is good, but it it does say that force sensitive is rare in Edge of the Empire. It is. So granted, that's kind of, it's kind of like saying, you know, drow that are good and have dual scimitars and cats are rare. It means everybody fucking wants one. So I I do, I can see them 
the rules to me when I read it's it's very rare, very rare, very rare, but they're out there. And right. if you're gonna play force and uh, excuse me, if you're gonna play this, you're you're gonna enter the empire. You're gonna have force sensitive people somewhere in your game. Right. So so we mentioned um, where we left off was the force die, and and we'll talk about that in a second. What Brett's alluding to as far as like some of the things you can do with the force or the light side and dark side points that is generated from the force die. Okay, so we also have percentile. So D10, percentile dies, two D10s do come in handy. Um, and as part of the system, there are tables that you will roll percentiles on. Also for damage, don't you use D10s and stuff for damage? Um, no, that's based nope. on the damage of the weapon. Oh, that's right, that's right, the six, And the amount of successes. So um, now, so those are the dice types. On each dice, or on certain dice... There how are much the, how much is a pack of special DDoS guys, Sean? Cost, Sean. They're not cheap. No, they're not. 15, how much? Fifteen bucks. So fifteen bucks, I think. So to play all of Star Wars, <laughs> so this guy two hundred and fifty-five dollars. Wait a minute now. Let's put now because because I got a feeling that this is kind of a freaking sliver in Brett's little fingers. A little bit. How many fucking RPG books do you own? Hey, there we go. So. The, the counterpoint to that, right, is I have Dungeon Crow Classics. I have two sets of Dungeon Crow Classic dice, which yeah. have like D24, <laughs> D7, crazy shit. Yeah. So <clears throat> the concept of having to buy special dice for a game system, that itself doesn't bother me. At first, I'm like, no, no, I'm pissed off about this. I really want to be mad about specialty dice. I think they're wonky, and I have a different reason for my dislike, but I think... Um, so I thought you were talking about the money issue again. No, no, oh, no. Okay, no. okay. Just kind of giving you shit about the cash. I got you. Um, from a specialty dice perspective, if you're a gamer, you're going to have dice. If you play Fate, if you play Savage Worlds, you have Fate dice. You got to buy those. Those are special. Right. Um, you might need chips or points or other pips and things to throw around on a, on a <coughs> excuse me, Fate board, uh, Fate board, i.e. a table. Um, if you're playing Savage Worlds or any other game with bennies and things, you you move around like that. Um, you've got other things. You have other ephemera on the table that you're going to be utilizing. So if you don't like that type of thing, I could see where having specialty something would be annoying to you as a gamer. So I will add that in the book, they do have a way that you can transfer the symbols to the different dice. So yeah, if you that's, roll... That's not, that's not No, it's a pain in the ass. But it's a huge pain in the ass. For you those, for those that are going to poo-poo the symbols and not want to buy a set of dice to play this game, you can get the app, too. There's an app. There's a Star Very Wars good. dice app. So you're going exactly where I wanted to go next when it comes to dice before we get too much further away from them. The dice, in general, do not have numbers on them, except no. for your percentiles. Correct. All the other dice have symbols. Yes. What kind of symbols do we have, Sean? I was going to... Thank you, Brad. I was just going to get into that. So depending on the die type depends on what symbols are on that die type. So typically some of the triumph and despairs and some of those are going to be not on your typical green lower level dice, I should say. Because I say lower level because you start out with smaller sided. So the D8s, um, well, let me rephrase that. So the D8s are typically the most common. And then as you get proficient, you're going to be adding those to your dice pools. There's going to be success symbol. So these are the positives. Success, advantage, and triumph. Okay. The drawbacks are the negative sides are going to be failure, threat, 
and despair. And I always forget despair. Despair is the one I always forget. So all the damn shows we've talked about, and this has come up, it's the despair that I always forget to call out. So though there is an equal to each one of those. So success, failures wipe out successes, threats wipe out advantages, and despairs wipe out triumphs. When you go to compute your, your actual end result. <clears throat> so when, you t- when you, we use these words, and without numbers, um, when you play it, at least the, when I play it, I'm like, okay, it's very story-driven. Yes. I.e. narrative driven. It's not like I did five points of damage. I succeeded by six. Oh, that a five plus a 10 gives me 15. That means I succeeded by twice. I do double damage. <clears throat> the math is out. This is not a shadow run dice pool. It's not a shadow run dice pool. This is a narrative mechanic where you're going to roll these dice. Your five day dice in a pool with your different uh, difficulty, setbacks, challenges, and boosts and other shit in there. And you're going to hit it. And the key is working with a group of people who are willing to back and forth with this die pool, determine what the results look like. And I think at the end of our last session, we were getting the hang of it more than we were at the beginning. And we're able to say, Oh, that feels like this. I think this should happen. That makes sense to me. And the group will, yes, move on. That sounds good. Let's go. So anyway, where I'm getting at, I got a little ahead of myself there. I apologize, but it's clearly driven to force a discussion, a dial, a narrative dialogue, as opposed to, you know, a number of damage, a number of success points. It's not math based. It's all narrative, narrative, narrative. Correct. And if you play, if you use the die roller, the app, and you use, I think, roll 20, it will actually calculate the end result. So you don't have to interpret the dice. I think if you interpret the dice, you roll them on the table and you interpret them, you learn them quicker. You know how to look at it and identify it and figure out what this, what the outcome is. Um, but so I, th- I think though that the interpretation component to, um, to me, one of the drawbacks is that it's going to take us, or at least me, a number of sessions beyond the, the couple we just had to be able to quickly glance at these symbols, interpret them and be able to move on. I think that there is a, the interpretation of it, if you become really proficient at it can go quickly but I'm seeing that for the for the uninitiated like myself as I learn my way through this and say, okay, this minus this is that, da-da-da, it's going to take me a while to become fast. And until I become fast, these this dice um, interpretation pool, this pool that needs to be interpreted in front of me is going to take longer than I might like. And I think, though, that if I stick with it and put my time in, I'll be faster at it, but it's going to take, it's going to take a number of sessions, i.e. a hell of a lot more than two for Brett to figure out how to interpret them quickly so that we can keep rolling. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, that's fair, man. It it does take a little bit and some people will pick it up faster than others and others won't. And, but it's once you get down to it, um, I had heard it's kind of a standard. It'll take two, it'll take about three kind of goes um, to actually start matching up the symbols because you have to match them up. You have to kind of, oh, there's three successes. There's two successes on this die. There's one negative on, or one failure on this one, two failures on another. Okay, so I net one failure, so I fail. So there is a lot of different scenarios that these dice can have. Essentially, in a nutshell, you are going to attempt to do something as a player character. 
when you build your dice pool, you're going to roll it, the GM is going to determine the difficulty of that, which is how many purple dice that you put in to the pool. Or challenge dice. War challenge dice, but typically it starts out at least with difficulty. And if I want to upgrade one of the difficulty dice, then it's upgraded to a challenge die. I believe despairs are the only, you can only get despairs on a challenge die. All right. So you roll the dice and then you figure it all out. How many successes do you have? How many failures, threats, uh, advantage, triumphs, all that stuff. And in the end, it will determine what happens. And so the different scenarios that could come out of this is typically you can, first you're going to try to, what are you trying to do? You roll. Do you fail or do you succeed? So how many do you, are the net successes more than the failures you succeed on what you're attempting to do? If the failures are net, you fail at what you're trying to do, period. That's, that's that mechanic, very simple, nuts and bolts, boom. Done. Can't put it any How, easier than that. However, however, you can gain a you can the result can be a failure, but you could still have uh, a net advantage, uh, net advantage symbols to account, which means that you fail, but something in your favor occurs. So, for example, in our last episode, we're trying to get away, which being bad smuggler type people, you need to get away quite often. Um. We're fucking up our die rolls pretty bad, but we're, we've got some really cool advantage stuff coming out like crazy, but we can't get enough successes to actually make it work. So long story short, we end up using the advantage perspective to give us another chance. We're using it narratively saying, oh, we jam this, we do that. I drop the hydro spanner across the connecting points. It does this. Okay, great. That, if I, that'll give me another shot to take another roll to give, to try to keep going to get the fuck out of here because we can't get out. So, um, we, in that case, we had more advantages than we did actually have successes, but that was okay because we just use the advantage. Like, look, yeah, we failed. We didn't leave, but this buys us a little more time. So Steve can go do his thing or Kevin can try something or Brett can do something else or Austin or Jim or whatever. So narratively speaking, it was kind of cool. It was tense. We're like, God damn it. We didn't succeed. But, 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 but I have a thing. What am I going to do with this advantage? How am I going to make this so that I can keep trying, you know? So that was cool. So then there, the drawback is you can have a failure, so net failure, and then you can have an advantage, um, success, and a, and a threat, right? So you succeed on what you're doing, but you did it in a manner that something has come back to, to bite you or whatever that is. Yeah, I've broken the ship basically at this point. Right. I, I fixed it. We got it. But the there was enough threats that were like, you know what? That'll never work again. You need a new one. God damn it. Correct. We were able to get out, but I broke stuff in the exactly. process. Exactly. That's a perfect example, Brett. So Brett's, tra- you know, the ship, there's something wrong with it. They can't make the jump to hyperspace. Brett goes, I'm going to make a mechanics check. He rolls and he fails, but he has advantages. So he doesn't succeed in actually repairing the ship, but the advantages, he knows exactly what the problem is. Maybe it's going to, you know, so then it's not like shrugging his shoulders and going, blah. Yeah. Oh, I failed. Right. No, no. There's a reason why it failed. And narratively, we all know that it's broken. Right. It's not like Brett just needs to wait for another 24 hours to go by to take another skill check. No. The motivator. It's broken. Right. The motivator, whatever. The 
Yeah. I think I call it, kept calling it compensator or something along those lines. I just came up with a shippy term on the, t- on the spot. So there is other things that these dice or these symbols do. So, for example, if you roll a triumph and you have a triumph, it can cr- you can basically trigger um, different things with the triumph um, to include um, critical injuries, weapons that have special qualities. So if you have a weapon that has particular qualities and you roll a triumph, it triggers that element. Yeah, I think one of my weapons is has something like a stun or something on top of it. If I do X, I can, yeah, there's extra goodies that you can throw in. Now, these dice pools, this narrative concept, really cool. As I said, and I'm not trying to, I mean, to me, it is a negative in, in the system in itself in that it takes a while to get used to interpreting it, right? It's not as for some, because it's symbols. And we talked about this during an, another, um, a little bit around the, uh, I can't remember which episode it was, but one of, their, one of our listeners mentioned something about symbols versus numbers. And it does take time. I kind of said, ah, I can't be that difficult, but fuck, this is a little bit harder than I thought it would be to be able to say, I know what two sixes mean. I don't know what a star and a weird triangle with denty sides plus a, a little leafy thing. I don't know what that means. Right, you just gotta get used to it, man. Commit it <laughs> exactly. to memory. You got you gotta get used to it. You have to commit it to memory. So, quite frankly, if you're not willing to put that time in, and you're not going to get into it, you're not going to enjoy oh, it. Come on, man. No, no, no. I mean, sir, you it, have to, that you is have true, to, but you have to want to do it. Yes. And I, so it's not a huge. Is it a huge takeaway? No, or negative? Excuse me. Not necessarily. But I don't think it's fair to say, oh, you can pick it up like that. Look, I'm gonna talk. I'm I'm, t- I'm gonna put it out there right now. If you're not, if you want to play this game and you don't want to do that, that's fine and dandy, and that's your prerogative. The thing is, is that we have freaking rule books that are like three to five hundred pages in length, and people will read those damn rule books and they'll commit shit to memory, but they won't look at freaking, you know, eight different dice and try oh, to figure out the goofy Again, symbols. If you now, the difference is, if I want to be a rules lawyer, power gamer through Pathfinder, I will sit down and devour. Hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of pages. Right. If I don't want to do that, yeah, you I play can. It. Yeah. No, no, no. I can still play Pathfinder, and I can simplify my approach to it. True. Right. You can. True. You cannot play Edge of the Empire and not put the time in to understand these dice. You can't. That that's fair. Yeah, and it, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just acknowledge it and say I want to do that because the results of this game sound sexy. I want it. Or say, eh, it doesn't sound good enough to me, and I can put my time in. I don't know. So I think that part of what the game offers and what people will appreciate it is what it's trying to accomplish. So if you think of every freaking scene Han Solo's in, some of the stuff that he does that fails but has an advantage, that succeeds and has a disadvantage. malfunction, I'm fine. You're fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm trying to locate the cell block. I'm trying to, eh, they're they're yelling at me. I don't know what to do. Um, I try to open a cell block, roll, fail, and two threats. Now, the cool part here from the narrative perspective is, with the skill roll here, is that you can do the same thing with a d20. The target number is 10. You rolled a 11. You can add some flair or something to it, blah, blah, blah. But the problem is that rule is... You succeed. If you beat it, if you meet it or beat it, you succeed. Target numbers. <clears throat> There's it's target numbers, right? That's if ev- you change yeah. it when you add this twist to it, it becomes narrative forcing. You don't have any choice. 
you succeeded, but there's a threat. Fuck, what does that mean? Okay, you succeeded, Han Solo, but guess what? It was a boring conversation anyway. You know, Luke, we're going to have company. This is what happens. Right? Yeah, you didn't re- you didn't get to negotiate your ass out of that yeah, it didn't communication. Work. So it is, it's cool for that. Everything's um, okay f- here. Everything's fine. fine. We're fine. How are you? S- small meltdown. Exactly. Roll. Yeah. Wah, wah. yeah. How do you do it? What do you do? <laughs> the other piece that ha- that comes in with that when the group gets into it is that everybody starts throwing shit back and forth. I think this happens. I think that happens. I think this should happen. It becomes what uh, I think Chris Nizek calls the writer's table game in a way that he likes fate for in that. And again, I'm not necessarily, I've not played fate, so I can't do an absolute comparison here clearly, but you have a back and forth discussion on what this result should be. And the faster the group learns to interpret the dice, um, the best idea or the, the coolest idea at the moment, whatever seems to fit the base, whatever seems to fit that moment wins pretty quick. As we were going through the combat, bam, 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 bam. Um, we, we start off with kind of longer diatribes on what could work and what couldn't. And then we were trying to escape what could work, what couldn't. When I was missing my role or whatever it is, I'm like, boom, I melt a hydro spanner. I, I, I break this. I do that. And was like, uh-huh, that's good. That's good. That's good. I came up with something that wasn't quite as good. Somebody else jumped in immediately said, no, add this to the threat. I think this is a cooler threat. Okay, fine. We'll take that. So I think that it encouraged a lot of, essentially it's out of character table talk. And I could see where some players may not like that. It does break that fourth wall where you're talking about, you're talking about the system, right? There is some of that mechanical component of it. Some people hate that. Some people don't. They think it's an immersion issue. But it encourages that so that you're collab- really collaborating with the team around you. Yeah. And you're open to it. You want people to throw stuff at you because there's a certain time you're like, uh, guys, give me a hand here. I got nothing. What, what the fuck do I do with this? And the table throws shit at you. Yeah, and a lot of times it is on the players to come up with, with what occurs, typically. And, and in the book, I believe, at points it tells you that if it's a positive result, the players come up with it. And if it's a negative result, the GMs come with it. But you don't have to play that way. The GM does come up with the final ruling and what happens. But typically if you have that dialogue, it's going to work out and everything will be cool because it's all about what happens being, you know, what is cool. So, so let's, uh, before we move away from dice here a little bit, threats and successes, I get that. Let's talk about the, the force die here. All right. Force uh, die. Light side, light side, dark side. How does the sucker work? All right. Let's hold on with the force die. All right. So force die, right? Is that what we're talking about now? Absolutely. It was now, reason being, we had a bit of a contention the first time, and Brett had a minor <laughs> meltdown at the last session. So let's so, talk about this. So Forrest died. i got to talk like, about wait, this. Brett seriously lost his shit like table flipping. So did Sean. So, so did Sean. It, so, was, so, it was kind of funny. <laughs> so you just saw us freaking bitch at each other. Fuck you. No, fuck you. So Forrest died. So you roll the Forrest die at the beginning of the session, and it gives you light side and dark side points. Tokens. And, you know, you could have six, uh, you could have four black, two, two light. So four dark and two light. So the GM, just like the light side points are communal for the players. Correct. So if there are two light side points or 10 or however many you get, right. They're for every player to utilize. Correct. GM uses the dark side. So as they're used, they flip over. And so if I use a dark side, it turns to a light side, giving the players more light side points to deal with. There's a few things that you can use the force dice or the uh, force points, destiny points um, within the game. 
Um, you can, uh, where am I at here? You can raise the stakes. You can do and implement special abilities and talents. So raise the stakes is like when you said, no, fuck you. Here's one. Here's a challenge die for you. Correct. So when we had a couple purples, I was about to do something. Sean's like, you're not getting away, Brett. Challenge die. Boom. He flipped, he flipped a black over done. Uh, correct. Well, yes, that's a setback die. The black one. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Not setback. I'm sorry about the red. You gave me a red die. Give you a red die. Yep. Red die for a challenge. Yep. So I throw in a red die or upgrade one to a red. And so I could do that. Um, and so can the players now, and then you can also use it for luck or Deus ex machina or or machina. Yeah. God in the machine. Right. So one of the pieces that they, as an example is, Hey, fuck, I don't have a rebreather. Uh, yeah, you do. I happen to pack one. Right. Oh, or or the air is toxic. I mean, you know, outside, and then uh, Brett says, thank God we brought the rebreathers, and he flips a light side point. Correct. Right. Now, the argument we had the, to right. start this off with was, I'm like, hey, when Sean spent a dark side point, destiny point, I could have spent one to counteract it. Now, <clears throat> Sean thought Brett was going for, oh, yeah, fuck you, no, fuck you. Like, we're just anteing up in a chip game, like in a poker game. Well, I undo what you just said. Yeah. Flip. And that is not how it's supposed to It work. is not. But the way Brett said it was like, well, initially, because I, I think I probably cut Brett off. And, the other thing that and did, so what I said is. Was, Steve was actually on my <laughs> side, but his mic cut out. And Steve, very level-headed man, was trying to explain what how it worked. I was fucking losing my shit. So, so was Sean. So I was like, at basically, I got to the point where like, yeah, I can play like a fucking asshole too. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, dude, this isn't me. What's going on? And Austin's like, why do you want to play like an asshole? Like, fucking kill you. You know, and then Steve comes, well, actually, guys. And Steve, voice of reason, you know, and we all calm down like, oh. And Brett says, that's what I was trying to say. And Sean's like, oh. Everyone's like, well, why didn't you just say that, you Polak? Um, so, no yes. That. No one was that derogatory about me. Anyhow, um, so the cool thing is he hit us with one. <clears throat> I said, well, um, it feels like it's counteracting, but there's you can say, well, he gave me a challenge die. I can't use my light side die. I can't use my thing to say, no, you don't. I yeah, have no, to you can't. Nar- I, I have to have a narrative around. It's not like, yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. It's none right. of that shit. Right. It was like, well, you hit me with that. But luckily, I had this with me, which should give me a chance to do X. Okay, says Sean. Yeah, that'll that'll work. Um, I can't remember the exact the exact um, uh, the exact issue that we actually had in game, but so Sean would uh, throw something at us, and we could say, "Well, that does suck," but luckily we had the rebreathers with us, or luckily I happen to have a spare compensator on board. So the bad thing happened, but I've got the spare. It's still going to take us five extra rounds to install it, or whatever the case is. So it is a bit of a um. I don't want to do this. It can be a bit of a power play back and forth. Like, oh, yeah, I hit you with five bad things. You can try to negate them. Uh, I used one in a combat where I wanted to run out, grab a droid, and run back as quick as possible and ignore all the lasers and shit that was zipping around me just trying to make something happen. So I spent that to basically make myself incredibly lucky so that I could force this 
really what I thought was a cool image narrative thing in my head. Like, oh, this would be cool, just running across the the uh, loading dock, going to grab this droid and haul ass back across, dragging the C three PO like droid behind me. You know, while lasers and shit are flying. And uh, so I spent one of the light side points to make that happen, so to basically stop Sean from just shooting me flat in the head at nearly point blank range. Now I may add. The GM has final say what is or is not acceptable. So to Sean's earlier point, yeah, I could play like an asshole if I want to. (laughs) (laughs) So it is give or take, and it's got to, you know, and, you know, I think everybody through discussion can mediate that appropriately. In the spirit of the game, right? Make it so. So so that said, though, when you're having, we play a game like this. If you are used to playing a game there's target number success and failure and the shades of gray are not something that your group likes to deal with, this game will not go over well, in my opinion. No, man. Pass-fail blows. I'm, I'm just saying, if that's what you're used yeah, to, yeah. that's what your group enjoys, and that's how you like to game, the shades of gray and the, well, kind of, but, or you succeed except for, that might go over like a lead balloon for some groups. So again, it's not, is it a negative for the game? Eh, it's not that bad for me. It was kind of cool. I'm getting into it more. I don't like the, um, um, how do I do this? I, the, the funky dice are still kind of a little thorn. I'll get past that. But the, and there's a bit of a, um, immersion component that I don't like lose. I, I, I don't like because again, I'm not fluent with the game system yet. I think that will come back once I become more fluent with it. But the, I, I like the shades of gray. It's fun. And uh, having the system emphasize that because there's no other way to play this game. I mean, with this system, you can't, you could add shades of gray to D and D. You could add shades of gray to Pathfinder or something else that's very um, pass fail, but you can't just do pass fail in the system. Cause it's not built like that at all. No, no. So we are, we're running over, but I think we've got some good stuff to go go over because I think we talked about the core mechanic and pounded that pretty much down. But other people may want to know like how, how are characters handled? Is it a level-based system? Yeah, the obligations, the skills. And right. The, so we might have to, oh shit, we got to do a two-parter, man. Should we do a two-parter and leave it off here? You know what? I think we might have to because I don't um, if we drag this out, where are we at here? We're getting late, We're dude. We're at about one, one hour 15 right now. I don't know. What do you think? Well, that's fine. What do we get scheduled next week? So next, next week, next week was going to be classes and non-classes. So why don't we bump that and we why can we bump finish we'll the- Edge of the Empire, which I think it'll be relatively quick. We'll talk about kind of the character piece of it. Cause that's when you open up and you're like, well, what can I play? What can I do? How does that work? Is it levels? Is there experience? Is there armor class? All that other stuff. And I think that'll kind of go into detail. And if it's, it may be a shorter one next week. I'll tell you what, if nothing else would be a damn good segue into the class versus non-class. Cause, uh, that is true. Edge of the empire is a non-class based system. Well, it is a career specialty. See, now we're already getting into it. There we go. There we go. All right. Start talking about it, right? We're done. We're done. Moving on. So let's get into, let's talk about the, the sponsor quick, shall we? Let's do that. All right. So Michael Aldhauser, Great Out Productions makes dice bags. And I hit my mic. <laughs> he totally smacked <laughs> Yep. Um, great Out Productions. He makes great dice bags. He does custom stuff. He's got stuff in his store. Um, hopefully, uh, listeners out there grab some things before the holidays. If not, feel free to grab a few from him. If you use Gaming NBS, all one word, you'll get 10% off your order. 
Michael's a good guy, friend of the show. He's been with us for a long time now. So show the man some love. So head over to Greyedout, G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. Don't forget to use the promo code Brett just mentioned, Gaming NBS, get 10% off. Thanks, Michael, for sponsoring the show. Absolutely. All right, let's get into die roll. Die roll. Element of the show where we provide. Now, I have to, nobody corrected me on this, Brett. I'm a little, I'm a little surprised at this. Because the last. You're so wrong so often. I'm waiting for somebody to call me out on this stuff. Like maybe somebody as, you know, pays close enough attention like Austin that when I said 2D4, right? Somebody suggested it should be 2D4. If it was 2D4, it would actually give me 2D8 points. No, that'd be 228. Two through eight. Two through eight, yes. Yeah, two through eight points. Right. Yeah. Of miscellaneous topics. And geekery. Or two D4 miscellaneous points already indicates as two two through eight. We can do math. Right. But what I'm saying is is if it's a two D4 roll. Yes. Right? If you just read the copies, it says in the show notes. Right. So I just wanted to comment when I said it's two D4. It's really not two D4. It's actually one to four plus one. Okay. <laughs> right? So what it should, we should say it's 1D4, 1D4 plus 1 miscellaneous. So it's, a magic, it's a magic missile thing. It is a magic missile thing. That All gets right. you two okay. to five points of 1D4 plus 1. There. Now we, okay. Well, rules lawyer the fuck out of us. All right. <laughs> Who's up first? Who's on first? Indeed. I got, I have two, uh, or I have four, Brett has two. Brett, f- hey, hey, thanks for contributing this week, Brett. Yeah, I'm actually <laughs> on top of it. So in honor of this one, starting to talk about sci-fi stuff, White Star uh, is a, a white box sci-fi game. drive Through RPG has it out there. I just want to call, it's the Swords and Wizardry, Wizardry team has put this together. Check it out. I think we've mentioned this before. Sometimes uh, folks like, it, it's simple, it's cheap, it's a really... Um, I've read nothing but good things on the old Google Plusage around this game, so take a look at it. The second one I have is there is a new Traveler Bundle of Holding. Bundleofholding.com presents. Go out there, check them out. Again, link in the show notes. And I believe that'll be going for a little bit yet, so by the time this drops, people should still have a chance to get in on it. Traveler, one of the granddaddies of sci-fi role-playing. So that's out there for you to consume. Sean, back to you. All right, so keeping with the theme of the show which may create a conundrum for part two. Fantasy Flight Games, home of Edge of the Empire product homepage. Link in the show notes. Um, So if you want to know more about the game, you can go directly to the people that are producing it at Fantasy Flight Games. I also will include a link to the community forum, which does have a sub-forum that outlines some pretty decent resources to include adventures um, and other resources uh, out on the web. Number two, Wikipedia for all things Star Wars. If you have not gone to that site, uh, what are you doing? What do you even stop I, the show? Brett. So clearly, clearly, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. <laughs> I needed, I needed that freaking site for this game. I really did. Yeah, I had uh, Jim's like, oh, you should play this race. This race. I have no fucking idea what that race is. He's like, oh, here, go to Wikipedia. I'm like, oh, no shit, dude. Bam, 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 bam. Running through stuff. Great information on there. Invaluable. Tell you all about the classes. Hundreds of planets. Um, you name it, it's out there. You got to have it as part of the Star Wars. Maybe just keep it out in the browser if you're playing online or just keep it online on a tablet if, in case you want to show somebody a partic- picture of a particular race. Yep. Invaluable. 
Uh, number three, couple shout or shout out to Order Sixty Six podcast. Um, I will put their feed in our show notes because I think their website could use a little help. Um, but some good guys over there talking some way marathon long shows. Typically their show is a little hour, hour and a half, and then they have a post show that can go another hour or two hours. Actually, I think they've recorded four hour shows. Damn. Yeah. The post show is just kind of them shooting the proverbial crap, but order 66, they were around since the D 20 days. Then they covered saga. Then they took a hiatus and now fantasy flight games is back. And now they're covering all the fantasy flight games. Um, edge of the empire, uh, age of rebellion and, force and destiny and they give examples of what we're talking about they'll put out skill checks and they'll roll results and they'll explain what an advantage is and an out of success and what that looks like those are the biggest hang-ups people have is when they don't succeed but they come with an advantage oh i i didn't get to do what i did but what positive came out of it right it's so, a different it's a difference like we talked about if you've not played harsh words but if you're not put anything other than pass fail you know, right. The shades of gray can be difficult for some folks to gra- to grok. It's not that you're incapable or you're stupid or whatever. It's just not a mode of play that everybody is into. Now, granted, there's a ton of people who've been playing indie games forever, and they're like, "Fuck, whatever, dude. This is a- this is old news. I've been doing that forever. Great." But you know, if you're a D and D convert or D and D transitioner, this you know this type of thing is helpful. Right. So, and then number four, uh, campaign podcast. It's one that I've mentioned before a lot of people um, that may listen to the show may know about this podcast already it's uh, a group out of chicago it's actual play they're not going to get into the weeds about the rules you will hear about what their results are when they roll dice it is very light as far as levity goes there's quite a bit of humor in it Uh, i think it's hilarious it's really well done and produced it's a game it's you know run by cat cole formerly cat murphy um and and james d'amato and a couple others. So it's, it doesn't have people eating Doritos right directly next to the mic, does no, it? No, no Dorito eating. Um, and they are kind of, they are Peaches and Hot Sauce is one of their home websites. They're kind of a comedy troupe, but it's not like slapstick comedy, laugh, laugh all the time. So it is unique characters. They role play pretty well. And I think it's really entertaining. Cool. Yeah. So there's mine for the week. We've gone way over. This is one of our longest shows probably in the last 10 months. Yes, it is. So, <laughs> Hey, thanks to our patrons. We've got Joe Swick, uh, Kevin Lovecraft. Thank you guys for being patrons. Go out to our gamingbs.com slash patron if you want to do that. I also want to do a final thank you to Roger Braslett. He helped me out with my Warhammer First Edition collection. I was looking for some stuff. You know, I had a little good back and forth online. Thank you, Roger, sir. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Thanks for sticking with us. Most appreciated. Keep the emails, voicemails, comments on social media coming. We really appreciate it. Next week, tune in when we cover a little bit more of the character piece of Edge of the Empire. And until then, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.